0: Welcome to Off The Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the Metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. You know, I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I would not listen to that, then I'm sure you wouldn't either. So, before I get into today's topic, I wanted to say thank you all. I'm getting a lot of good emails. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm responding to those as quickly as I can. Uh, sorry for the delay uh, there. And um, I also wanted to give a shout out to the Florida crime analysts um, down there. Uh, looks like I'll be teaching down there again this year. I'm not sure what the topic is yet, but as soon as I find out, I will let you all know. So I'm looking forward to heading down there this summer. Hope you can join us. Today's topic. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. You know, it, it's funny how conversations throughout the week really drive this podcast. I don't ever throw anybody under the bus. Wouldn't do that. Not going to do that. Um, But I hear things. I talk to a lot of people, uh, whether at the company or friends or or, or family or, or just hear conversations just generally and, and 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 things strike me that's a good topic i'm gonna write that down and, and this particular week i heard a lot of conversations got a lot of questions and you know i i truly believe there's no stupid question except the question you don't ask because if you don't ask you don't know and the more you know what what is that? isn't that in that uh that's a slogan right the more you know uh copywritten don't sue me but it's misconceptions about the police. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think I've said this before, and if you know me, you know, I don't watch cop shows. They drive me absolutely nuts. Um, you know, I, I know I've said before that even in most courts today, they have a, a, you know, jury instructions, like every court's always had jury instructions, but they've added one literally called the CSI factor, where they have to explain to juries. That what they see on TV is fake. I know I've mentioned that before, but as, as I'm watching some of these, you know, I thought, gosh, I hear this over and over and over again. And I, and I know that the media, movies, television, we're not going to talk about articles and opinions right now, but just movies and television, things like that, they, they drive the public understanding of policing. They do. If you don't think I'm right, wait till I get to some of these common misconceptions and think to yourself, well, I thought that was real. So let's get into a few. And some of these are a little longer than others, but you know, kind of off the top of my head, the first one, it's called a magazine, not a clip. Every cop listening to this just laughed. What do I mean? Magazine? Like Time Magazine? What are you talking about? No. The, the piece in the gun that holds the bullets, it's called a magazine. Now, where did that come from? Well, it actually came from back way back, many hundreds of years ago, where you used to keep your, your powder and and, uh, and 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 your cannonballs and all your explosive materials in what they called a magazine, right? The explosive-proof bomb shelter-looking thing. If you ever go to an old fort, like an old Civil War fort, or um, I, I went to a few when I was in Poland, they all have a magazine of some type. Basically, it's what holds the ammunition. So it's called a magazine, not a clip. And every time I watch cop show and they're like, another clip. I'm like, well, you need a paper clip. You filing papers while you're in this shootout. It's called a magazine. Okay. Just, just so you know. Okay. Also, when you're searching a building, um, and, and you know, I, I think when I, when I see this all the time, I you know, I think of the old, like cop shows, like chips, you know, California highway patrol, you know. John Baker and Poncharello and all that. And, you know, they, they walk into a building and they'd they be holding their gun, pointing at the ceiling. Nope. <laughs> no cop. And I've spoke, spoken to some that have been doing this job, you know, retired now, but 40, 50, even 60 years ago, nobody was taught to point a gun at the ceiling. No, that's not a ready position and that's unsafe. Okay? Not going to happen. I mean, we won't even get into the fact that some of these shows, I was watching one. Um, <clears throat> well, I was checking one out. I decided to not watch it. It was driving me nuts. Uh, you, know, this, you know, you got a regular pistol, and it, it never ran out of bullets. It was amazing. I, I Boy, they ought, to, they ought to manufacture that and sell it. Every police department would buy it. So let's get to some of these others. Cops love writing traffic tickets because they have a quota. Nope. Nope. The vast majority, and I have to say the vast majority, because as I was looking, um, you know, multiple articles told me there might be a few jurisdictions that still have one. But keep in mind, the cops don't make those. The legislators do. Don't get mad at the cops. Get mad at the legislators. But uh, quotas, you have to write 10 tickets today. You have to put 10 people in jail. No, no, because you know what? That causes, that has the potential to cause a creation or a exaggeration of a violation. And you go, well, they'll do that. I mean, let me explain writing a ticket to you. And yes, I know there are automated ticket readers now and printers and all that kind of, frankly, cool stuff where you just scan the license and hit a few buttons on a device. But for the most part, you still have your ticket book. About 50 tickets in a book. Um, you know, we used to say, press hard, make five copies because there are about five copies, you know, the old you know, you can press down and it copies through to different colored pages. There's a lot to write on that. I mean, you go, What's this cop taking so long? I mean, pull me over. I'm here for five, 10 minutes. It's ridiculous. You wouldn't believe the amount of boxes on those things. Well, you should, if you ever got a ticket, take a look at it. Okay. We're writing it by hand. And if you have multiple violations, some jurisdictions allow you to put multiple violations on one ticket, mine did not. They said no. If you got multiple violations, you have to have multiple tickets, which means you have to fill it all out again. I I, I wasn't really much of a ticket writer. I I did it when I needed to, but it wasn't. It, I I look back at the job and I go, that was not <laughs> the the best thing I ever did. Right? Not just no. All right, the next one. Cops have to read you your rights. Nope. I. Cop shows again, right? Every time somebody's arrested, and we're talking like a a patrol, patrol cop, right? Arrest somebody, put them in, you have the right to remain silent, anything you say, and they put them in the car, grab the top of their head, and put them in the car, shut the door, high five their partner. Negative, doesn't happen. Why not? Well, because I only have to read you your rights if two things occur. Well, three. You're under arrest or in custody, so that we'll call that two. And I'm going to interrogate you, question you about the crime. Not who are you, not what's your address, not what's your phone number. That's demographic data. But if I'm going to question you about the crime, then I'm going to read you your rights. But if it's a big enough crime, typically... Not always, but typically patrol officers aren't going to do that. Let a detective do that. Patrol officers certainly can. They have the right to do it. But many won't. So when you're arrested, no, I don't have to read you your rights to go. To, I hear it all the time. It didn't mean my rights, so they're going to have to drop this. Did they question you about the crime? What, at the time of arrest? Yeah. No. They didn't have to read you your rights. Not going to happen. Next one. Cops don't prevent crime. They only respond to it. This one's kind of painful. <clears throat> because it's a bit of a quandary, right? I've spoken to agencies, you know, the old, the old uh, logo on the car. Serve and protect. Many of them taking protect off. Because the definition of protect is keep you from harm. Busy, busy, busy. Nobody has enough cops. We've talked about that. Who wants to be a cop now? The average time for a cop being a cop right now is two years or less in most agencies. It, it, it's, not, it's not what you would call a, a, a job with a lot of, I don't know. I mean, it, it's rewarding. It's fulfilling. Sure it is. But you don't get a lot of pats on the back anymore. You pin the badge on and you're evil. So... But what you don't understand is nobody has enough comps. They just don't. I've spoken to agencies that have jurisdictions of up to 300 square miles and they're patrolling that with seven. Seven? How do you adequately do that? Well, you know how you adequately do that? You just respond to the calls. Protection? Impossible. Nearly Impossible. But I think it's important, too, when we talk about cops don't prevent crime, they only respond to it. Let's talk about the levels of force. Oh, Lord, he's getting into force. Well, this is important. The first level of force every police officer learns in the academy is officer presence. Just being there. Now, you go, that's not force. Well, but if you're a burglar and you're case in an area and you're in, you're in some van that looks like a, I don't know, cable repair van and um, a a cop is patrolling the area, rolling through slow, talking to people, taking their time, not just driving through, but, you know, doing some proactive patrol if they can. Are you going to get out of the car right then? Are you going to get out of the van and go burglarize the house in front of them? No. Did, Did the cop know you were a burglar? Let's say not. No. Just thought you were a repair person. So why didn't you do it? Because there was implied force, if you will, by the fact that the officer is even there. So, could it be said then that there's prevention of crime via patrol? Yes. Absolutely. However, patrol of slow, methodical, looking, head on a swivel, checking things out, maybe talking to somebody you should go by, got your windows down, you're listening. You know, all the good patrol tactics. If you're responding to a call, if you're running through pretty quick, eh, maybe not he's, he, he's going somewhere. Let's just wait for them to get out of the area. They're busy. Now it's a perfect time to do it. Right. Respond to a lot. A lot of calls. Calls increasing. Um, one very large agency that I won't mention their name, but they are on the um, they're on the West Coast. The average when an officer comes on duty like. You start in your shift, okay? You got an average of 20 to 25 calls for service holding for you. Oh, my goodness. They're so, why would they? Oh, my goodness. Well, keep in mind, dispatch does a fantastic job of ranking these, okay? Everything from cat in a tree. Yes, we get it. Don't know why. To armed robbery. Well, which would you rather them respond to first? Cat in a tree or armed robbery? Probably armed robbery, unless you just really love cats. And so cat in a tree might be holding for a while. So if you've got 2025 20, calls holding and you got calls coming in, how much time do you have for proactive patrol? Many agencies, virtually zero now. So I go back to the old, i have never met a cop that pinned on the badge to listen to a radio call. Come in. Just can't wait to get dispatched. No, you pinned on the badge because you wanted to do good. You wanted to get the bad people off the street. Well, Responding to calls can help do that, right? But the crime's already occurred. What we really want to do is we want to stop it, prevent it. Don't have a lot of time for that. But not in today's current society, climate, um, amount of officers that want to or even are willing to do the job. But we really want to. So prevention happens. Not really as much as we want to, but it does. But you have to understand the core of the response. Police officers can just turn off the adrenaline at the end of the shift. Just all good, going back to normal. Nope. When I was on patrol, um, I I only worked nights. Overnights. Graveyard shift. We we turned to 12s, so 6 to 6, but nonetheless, nights. I liked nights. Not necessarily because it was quieter, but because there was more criminal activity, overt, sometimes covert activity at night. Um, You know, in the daytime, you get a lot of, you know, more people out, you get traffic accidents, you get things like that. It's all good. You get crime, too, obviously. You get lots of that. But there were other things. But at night, it seemed like. There was more drug activity. There was more burglaries happening. There were more fights. There were more... There was just more going on. And I, I I liked that that atmosphere. But if if your last call... Okay, the last call of the evening... Was an aggravated assault. You show up at the door. Um, I live in the South, right? So let's say it's hot. And they got a screen door. Inside door's open. And you see the fight going on inside and you go in and you stop it and you take care of the fight. But there was a fight like you were in a fight. Now we're not talking like, you know, fighting at the cafeteria in high school or pushing and shoving or punching somebody in the face. And somebody comes, breaks it up and it's over with. You are the person to break it up. You are the person to stop it, to cease it. But many times you're in the middle of it. I mean, so these fights aren't, I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show my friends so I can punch you in the face. No, these many times can be life or death. That they, they they can involve injury, which we don't want for us or anybody else. But you get all jacked up like that, and then you end your shift, and you go home to sleep. You you're not gonna sleep for quite a while, because you're jacked up. Not saying you're. I'm just so bothered and worried and maybe, maybe, maybe there's some fear, especially for some newer cops. Oh my God, man, I don't know how I got through that. But just the fact that the adrenaline is there, it doesn't just stop. It can have a negative effect on, on, on some officers, but understand we're not robots. We're humans. Fights don't happen like on TV. You know, the cop is some type of Bruce Lee martial artist that knows everything and he's perfect and all. No! Trained, sure. But a a, a top-notch martial artist, jujitsu, whatever? No. Most of the time, no. And it's hard to come down from that. I ask people all the time, and I actually used to ask uh, new officers when they came in. They'd come in, they'd take a a tour through the detectives division and everybody'd be like, Oh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Da, 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 da. And I had a different question. For those of you who know me, this won't be a surprise to you, but I would look at them and I'd go, Oh, nice to meet you. When's the last time you were in a fight? And they'd just look at me, you know, cause they think, Oh, detective, whatever. And, and I'd go, no serious. Was like, well, my brother and I, we used to... not, not what I'm talking about a fight fight, just you and somebody else. And they think you're going to take them to jail and they don't want to go and they're bigger. And when's the last time you're in a fight? I was thinking earlier this morning before I started recording this, if I ever heard anybody actually give me an answer that, that was viable. And I don't think I ever did. So I would have to ask you, the, the citizens that listen to me, when's the last time you were in A fight. A fight. And what did you feel like if you were ever in one? Many people never were. It's good for you. What did you feel like? What did your heart do? Was your brain clear afterward? How long did it take you to come down? Now imagine being in, I don't know, let's go light. 20 stressful adrenaline pumping calls for service in an eight-hour shift. And then you go home, take the uniform off and sleep like a baby if you do we, we might need to do a, a subsequent psychological it's normal for people to be jacked up after these things I would be worried if you weren't but we have to understand that you what you watch what you see what you what you perceive on television and 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 you hear people talk about it is oh I just go get a cup of coffee and it's all good well, you know on to the next one doesn't always work like that Training prepares police for even the hardest parts of the job. This is a hard one. I'm not going to get too dark. I know there's kids that are listening, so I'm, I'm going to be easy on this. But no, it doesn't. Um, I'm actually putting together a presentation for a group at work. Don't worry, it's not that. But it, but it's basically a, a law enforcement 101. You know, I mean, we got civilians, mostly civilians, right? I've never been a cop, and, and they want to know. So one of my parts was about. The training. And I talk about the difference between uh, military style police academy, academies, which are for the vast majority becoming extinct, and, and what I call the college style. I don't mean anything bad about that. But what I mean is it's it's a lighter, more educational, uh, not so much screaming at you military style, you know, staff, duty, officer, attention, that kind of stuff. Not, not as much mental pressure, right? Well, testing, of course, but, but not as much mental pressure military style pressure. there's good and bad to both. I went to the military style My buddy works for me. Uh, he went he went to more of the college style. He, he's, he's a top-notch officer. I you know he, he's fantastic but we had different experiences and even our both both of our experiences even my military style and his his non-so military style they don't prepare you for everything. They don't prepare you for what it looks like when you go to a rollover wreck and somebody wasn't wearing a seatbelt and they're no longer in the car, if you follow me. They don't prepare you for seeing that for the first time. They don't prepare you for, um, you know, somebody pulling a knife on you and or, or, or somebody having a gun in a traffic stop and not just, like, lawfully locked up in their... <laughs> In their glove compartment, I mean, like against you, they don't prepare you for that. They can't prepare you for that. They try, they do their best, but the only thing that prepares you for that is the first time it happens. And, and, you know, I have seen, um, I remember a fight we had one night, um, our people were already fighting at a gas station and there was a lot of people. So a lot of us showed up and, and we, we. And nobody went to the hospital nobody was injured but we, we had to, to tussle struggle um, with the people to get him under control and I remember at the end of it nobody knew where this dude was he was in training he was riding with another officer he was in the passenger side but nobody knew where he was we couldn't find him and we thought oh we must run run after somebody maybe somebody ran did we miss something and we looked back at the cars and he had opened the door stood at the door and never moved. And he was frozen. And I walked over to him and I said, hey, man, you all right? And he didn't respond. I'm like, yo, yo, you good? And he kind of shook his head and he looked at me and he goes, does this happen often? And I'm like, yeah. Sometimes it's a real fight. These guys were just drunk and struggling and being stupid. He was done. Took off his badge. And, you know, I I actually applaud him for that because he knew his limit had been reached and he didn't want anything to do with it and he was smart enough to take the badge off and go do something else. Because if he continued, he might have gotten injured. He might have gotten somebody else injured. Might have made the wrong decision. Too much force. Fear causes too much force. How's the training prepare you for that? Well, it tries, and I'm, maybe, maybe I'll do, y'all, y'all email me. Maybe I'll do a podcast on what the training looks like. Just let me know if you want me to do that. But I gotta tell you, the academy can be difficult. Um, I pretty much hate it every day. <laughs> Until graduation day. And then I look back as I was on patrol going, I'm glad it was like that. It didn't prepare me for everything. But I, I saw what they were doing. I understood why the training was happening that way. So let's look at another one here. Not talking to the police is obstruction of justice. Heard that one. You don't, you don't talk to me, it's obstruction. No. No. Now, keep in mind, this is sticky wicket. This is a fine line. Depending on the state, most states in the United States, you have a duty in a lawful pullover to provide the information the officer needs to conduct the traffic stop, driver's license, proof of insurance, depending on the state. Okay. You don't necessarily have to talk to them, but you have a duty to provide that. And I've seen people like, I just hold this card up and everything. Well, <laughs> Careful. Careful, because if if it was a lawful traffic stop and you actually did something, you do have to interact. You do have to interact. Answer questions? No. No. Fifth Amendment in the United States is still quite quite steady. This is a good one. I've left this one kind of toward the end. Undercover police officers must identify themselves if asked. (laughs) Nope. Not at all. Well it's it's entrapment, DJ. That's entrapment. No, it's not. So let's talk about entrapment. Okay? Entrapment involves leading someone into engaging in an illegal activity. This is the bar, this is the important part, listen. In which they wouldn't otherwise do. In other words, an officer approach an undercover officer approaches you and goes, Hey man, let's go buy some drugs. When you work at a bank for a living and don't couldn't identify marijuana if it was lit in front of you, yeah, no, officer can't bring you into committing a crime. Can't convince you into committing a crime. That's entrapment. However, if you've got an undercover officer and you're already a drug dealer <laughs> and they go to buy dope from you. Because we've been surveilling you all day. And we know that that satchel you have, that bag you've got, is full of little bags of dope. Okay. We've been watching you sell it all day. Now you're going to sell it to us. It's not entrapment because it is not an illegal activity, which you wouldn't otherwise do. It's your job. Your job is an illegal activity. And yes, I see on TV, hey, man, you got to tell me if you're a cop. It's the law. You got to tell me if you're a cop, man. Are you a cop? Nope. Okay. It's 20 bucks. Thanks. You're under arrest. It's not entrapment because that's part of the job. They're, they're going to lie to us. These are criminals. Okay. So no, undercover officers do not have to identify themselves. Of asked. Can you imagine, can you, can you imagine being an undercover officer in like, like your deep cover in like some criminal, organization. And just all of a sudden, the boss goes, "Anybody here a cop? You got to tell me it's the law." Oh god, he got me. Sorry. Yeah, that's me. They would never find your body. So, no. That's that's craziness. Everyone gets one free phone call when they go to jail. If you've ever been to jail and got a free phone call, you, you need to thank your legislators in your county, state, jurisdiction, wherever you got locked up. Now, there's pay phones in there, for the most part, and they're collect calls. You can call, but the person on the other call better accept the charges. I mean, now, we're getting into a wireless you know world here where all that could very well change, right? But I hear this, I need my free phone call, man, I, I get a free phone call! what? No, you don't. No, sit, sit down. You're just fine. Just sit down. Now I am going to hit one here in the end. I'm not going to go too deep into it. I can, if you'd like me to, again, email me, right? We'll talk about the email here shortly. Those of you who don't know it, I've literally heard this. Well, why didn't they just, Shoot the subject in the leg. Why didn't they just shoot the gun out of the hand? Seriously. So let's make a lawful situation here. You got somebody. um, The call is somebody's shooting a gun in the street. You show up. Sure enough, standing in the street, got a gun. You... You're not approaching. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully you don't just get up and wander up and go, hey, what kind of pistol is that? No, not, that's not how that works. But but you you address the subject. Put the gun down. Put the gun down. And they point it at you. What are you going to do? Oh, just shoot the gun out of their hand. That's what they should do. Let me ask you, Mr. and Mrs. Citizen, what would you do? I heard I heard a lot of you just go. I'd run. True, <laughs> probably the smart thing to do. But what would you do? Let's say you legally own a weapon. You you've got a license for it. Uh, it's with you. You've trained. Totally legal. By the way, for my folks listening overseas, that's not an abnormal thing here. What 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 would you do if you had yours and they, and you can't run? Your kids are in the car, your family's in the car, and somebody approaches you and they point a gun at you. You aiming for their hand? No, why not? Because if somebody points a gun at you, the intention is to kill you. It is a deadly weapon. Officers aren't trained to kill anybody, believe it or not. We're trained to stop the threat. It's not a James Bond shoot to kill. It's stop the threat. When we're on the range, we're, we're taught center mass. Center mass is in, in, in the chest. Stop the threat. So that's what we do. It's a life and death situation. It's it's not a Wild West, John Wayne, hip shooting, spin the gun back in your holster after you shoot the gun out of their hand. And amazingly, their hand is not injured. Just the gun was shot out. That is fanciful. You go, DJ, you've got vests. You've got better training. You've got, you should be able to. What if the cop was your brother? Your mother. Your father. Your sister, what do you want them to do? Not to mention the fact that, frankly, I I, I don't even know what the stats would be for for cops that had the ability to shoot the gun out of somebody's hand. Not to mention the fact that you own the bullet until it drops to the ground or lodges into something which means if you miss and it goes in the house across the street and shoots somebody, you own it. You're headed to prison. Stop the threat, not shoot the gun out of the hand, not shoot the leg. I've seen a lot of people shot, believe me. And I've seen a lot of people that are shot immediately shoot back, keep shooting. Because in a, in a stressful situation, shot, stabbed, you might not feel it, especially if it's in the hand or the arm or the leg or the foot or some, some non-core extremity area, your adrenaline's pumping. You, you, you feel a... I've talked to one guy, who got shot in the leg and he, he shot back. It was, it was a drug deal. And I said, did, did you know you've been shot? And he said, well, not really. I felt something hit my leg, but it felt kind of like a tree branch stop the threat these are serious situations we have to be careful going around and saying well they didn't have to shoot them they didn't have to kill them they could have just winged them winged them never had any training on winging people well they should change the training what if i miss i'm stressed too my heart's pumping too what if i miss Th- then the public's going to get real mad because I'm a bad shot, and and I, I I killed a, you know somebody standing on the street corner accidentally. Hmm. Darn if you do, darn if you're not, right? Police myths. There's more. There's so many more. But I'm not going to take any more of your time today. I got to just keep here and rattle them off. <laughs> what do we take away from this? I don't know how you do your job, I don't know how my doctor does his job. I I don't know how my dentist does her job. I'm not going to second guess it because I don't know the job. Ask, ask a cop, ask a friend. Many police have community meetings. Come in, ask. I know a ton of chiefs are on Twitter. And they do it so citizens can ask questions. Ask. Hey, why don't you do this? Hey, how come it takes 15 minutes in a traffic stop? Hey, how come? Ask. Ask somebody who does the job. Don't assume they're going to, oh, they're not going to tell me the truth. They're just a bunch of lying. Don't assume that. It's not true. Bad apples in every bunch. But that doesn't mean the whole orchard's bad. Don't live in a mythological world. When you watch that cop show go, wow, they sure did pick up those microscopic epithelials and get the results back in 10 minutes. Well, why can't my cops do that? Because that's fake. (laughs) It's laughable. I call most cop shows comedy because that's all they are for the most part. Think about that next time. Next time you watch a cop show, you're, I don't see, I'm going to say like NYPD blue, but I don't even know if it's on anymore. You see, I don't watch them, but next time you watch your cop show, next time you watch your cop movie, watch. What, what is that real? Can that possibly be real? Look at the stereotypes, right? Every, every male cop is macho. I just, I'm i I'm gonna punch a bunch of beers back at the end of the day. And I just, you're just overly macho overly a A-t- type and every female cop and this gives me i'm gonna do a podcast on this too every female cop what's she wearing eh, she might be in some pants but she ain't in comfortable shoes most of the time and let's just say she doesn't know how to button her shirt above um <clears throat> chest level stereotypes stereotypes meant to look good on tv and movies but not reality. Visit your local police department. Most of them give tours. Walk around. Look at what some cops look like. Guess what? They look like everybody else. Because we are everybody else. And we want you to understand that what you're seeing and what you're hearing, the vast majority of it, are myths. Myths that hurt the reputation of good people that work every day to do everything they can to... Serve and protect. Know the truth. Don't live in the myths. Stupid criminals today. I got some good ones for you. These are um, calls for service that went out. We were talking about calls for service earlier in the podcast. Calls for service are up. And everybody thinks, oh, I recall. Lights and sirens, lights and sirens. Oh, something must be happening. No, not true. You might have passed a cop in regular traffic driving normally that is going to a call for service because it might have been something like i'm about to read police were called for a report of a suspicious coin oh yeah investigating officer responded to the scene and discovered it was a quarter these are straight out of the police blotters that i grabbed this time yeah we get called to that then you go, oh, that's funny. <laughs> and it is funny. Believe me. I, I wouldn't put it on here if it wasn't funny. How much time did it take? It took a lot. The Learning Center on Henson Street, wherever that is, I didn't look, uh, reports a man across the way stands at his window for hours watching the center, watching the children, making the parents nervous. Police responded and ID'd the subject as a cardboard cutout of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. A man came to the sheriff's department to quote, find out how to legally kill a person who was harassing him. These aren't made up; it's true. Police checked. Uh, police checked an area. I uh, uh, found an open door in the back of a building. Quite common. Uh, officer went inside. Now, back up. What happens is you find an open door. You- If you can, you're trying to search an open building by yourself. might be somebody in there. So you're going to have at least another officer. You're going to do a little building search. A pistol in the air. And uh, so the officer went in. This is kind of common. I mean, really, you're going to find these 9.9 times out of 10, nobody's in there. Okay, but you have to be prepared. Well, this officer, he was a little bit of a joker. So he walked in and he called out, Marco, as a joke. Suspect yelled, Polo. Hmm. Not a member of Mensa. And lastly today, an Edgewood man called re- police to report that his wife had gone missing. Police responded to the scene to take the report, and the man explained that his wife had gone missing about 18 months ago. I looked hard for that one because I figured, oh boy, there's more to that one. I couldn't find anything, but uh, yeah. You know, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you do not agree with. That's fine. That's the point of this. Or maybe you do agree with me and even have a topic you'd like me to cover. Or maybe you have a funny police story. A lot of these come from you. Thank you. I encourage you to email me at offthebeat@motorolasolutions.com at to give me your thoughts and ideas and check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore offthebeat. Until next time, Stay diligent, stay educated, and stay safe.